in just a moment, you'll be listening to a message that was given by Pastor Kyle Olsfeld of Grace Baptist Church in Pampa, Texas. We encourage you to give attention to the message and to follow along in your Bible. This morning, I'd like to invite you to turn to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24 is where we're going to be. And as you're finding your place there, I want to share an illustration that I know I have shared in the past. This is not something that is new to any of you, and even if it was, this is not something that would be some revolutionary new thought, new idea. I just want us to think about this because as it is true in this arena of life, it is also true in the spiritual arena of life. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to think about the world of athletics. Think about the world of athletics. And I know immediately to some that may be a turnoff because you may not care about sports or anything of that nature, but just stick with me if you would. And again, I think you'll see some benefit to this. You could apply this to any realm of athletics, but we're going to be specific this morning to that realm of basketball, okay? We're going to deal with basketball this morning because I know that'll excite some of you, right? Yeah. So as you think about basketball this morning, I want you to think about this, that the greatest of any basketball players to have played the game at some point has missed a critical shot. It does not matter how famous that player is, how much money that player is paid. It does not matter what the accolades would be for that particular player. I promise you at some point in their career, they have missed a critical shot that cost their team the game. Beyond that, this could also be said of the greatest players who have ever played the game. Not only have they missed critical shots, they've had lousy games for an entire game. It's like they went out there and maybe forgot it seemed what team they were on. It's as though they were constantly turning the ball over. It's as though they were intentionally missing shots. Now, obviously, that would not be the case, but that's what it could look like. Like, what in the world is going on with you? You're among the greatest. You're among the elites. You're among the best who has ever played this sport. How could you have such a lousy game? I don't know, but it happens. So the greatest of players, they miss critical shots. They have bad games. And more than that, the greatest of the greats even have these things that are often referred to as slumps. What what does that mean? It means this. It's not just one shot. It's not just one game. It would be a series of games where that particular player struggles to perform at the level we're used to them performing at. So it could be two, three, four, maybe more games than that where where they're not shooting the ball effectively. They're not they're not handling the ball like they ought to be. And so there's, there's just different struggles that they're wrestling with throughout that, that, that series of games where they're just not playing well. And yet while that's all happening and while all that's taking place, this is also true of the great athletes. They don't let that define them. They don't stop. They don't quit. They don't give up. 
they just become that much more determined to get back to the level they know they're capable of playing at. So think about this. The greatest of the greats, they have the missed shots. They have the bad games. They even experience slumps. But at the end of the day, that is what they will not allow to define them. They are going to work through it. Now, someone says, why are we talking about that? Well, this morning as we're in the book of Proverbs, I want us to understand something. That something you will see to be a pattern in these Proverbs that uh, Solomon penned is that he oftentimes gives contrast in what he is stating. And so it's as though he is giving us both sides of the coin. So you'll see something from this angle, but he'll also show you something from a different angle. And so this morning, in just a moment, we're going to look at a particular verse. We're going to look at a particular passage. And what we'll see is that Solomon speaks of two different types of people. We'll see this contrast. We'll see both sides of the coin presented. And and before we get to the verse, let me just give us the two types of people that he is going to talk about. He is going to talk about the just person, and he is going to talk about a person that he defines as wicked. Okay, so in this verse that we're going to look at in just a moment, he will speak of a just person and he will speak of a wicked person. And if we're going to understand what Solomon says about these people, then we have to know what these people are or how these people are to be described and how we can understand them. So let's first consider the just person. When Solomon wrote of a just person, what did that mean? What is a description or a definition of a just person? Well, here is what a just person means. It means to be lawful, to be upright, or to be righteous. A just person is one who is lawful, who is upright, or one who is righteous. And a simpler way, maybe, that we could describe this or paraphrase it would be this, that a just person is the one, the individual, who tries to do what is right. That is what a just person is. Now, immediately as I say that, here is what the conclusion of some could be, that that would pretty much describe everyone. I mean, after all, doesn't everyone try to do what is right? Doesn't everyone try to do what is lawful? Doesn't everyone try to do what is, what is expected of them? And the answer from a secular standpoint could be, well, typically that is what people do and how they approach their lives. But, but here's what we've got to understand, that as we're dealing with Scripture, that when the Scripture speaks of a just person, a righteous person, one who desires to do that which is right, hear this now, Solomon is not talking about a person who is trying to meet the standards of a secular society. Okay, this is very important that a person who is just, a person who is righteous, their concern at the end of the day is not considered or to be considered just and lawful and righteous in the eyes of society. What they want to be is to be considered just and lawful and righteous in the eyes of God. 
There is a vast difference between the two. A person can be just in culture. A person can be just in society and not be just with God. It it is a vast difference between the two. So when Solomon speaks of a just person, he is speaking of one whose desire, whose goal, whose efforts, whose intentions throughout their daily lives is, I want to be right with God. That's all I care about. That's all that matters is I want to be right with God. I don't care what this world says about me. I want to be right with God. That's what Solomon is talking about when he speaks of the just man. So what is Solomon talking about when he speaks of the wicked man, when he speaks of the wicked person? Well, here's what that means. It means to be ungodly. The wicked person is ungodly. Now, as you think on that, as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, our minds tend to go a lot of different directions when we think about wicked, ungodly people. As we talked about it in Sunday school, things like this were mentioned by way of categories of people that we tend to think of who are wicked. We think of the criminals who are wicked, and they are. Someone mentioned terrorists this morning in Sunday school. Not one I was expecting, but yes, we would classify terrorists as wicked, ungodly people. Somebody mentioned this morning, the abortionist is a wicked, ungodly person, and that is true. Someone else mentioned someone or something else that said, well, these people are wicked and these people are ungodly. And all that is true and all that is so, but we need to be reminded of this, that the the simplest of definitions for a wicked person is the one who is not worried about godliness in their life. A wicked person is this individual who decides to live life according to their standards, giving no real consideration to the standards of the Word of God. So as I stressed in Sunday school this morning, I'll stress again to us today that it doesn't matter that we're in church right now. Someone may say, well, isn't it important that we're in church? Well, yeah, it's important that we're in church. But just because we're in church today does not slide us into the category of the just. You and I can be in church today and still very much be in the category of the wicked or the ungodly who are not worried about the authority of God in their life. So so just because we're here today, we don't get an extra gold star and, and we don't get to automatically define ourselves as one who is just and one who is righteous in the sight of God. So as we think on that, look in the last part of verse number 16, as Solomon speaks of the wicked. He said, the wicked shall fall into mischief. This is what happens when a person chooses to live a life of wickedness or when a person chooses to live a life of ungodliness. He said they fall in to mischief. What does it mean to fall? Well, it means to stumble. It means to trip. It means sometimes to be cast down. We all know what it means to fall. And as I've said in the past and we all understand, Generally, a fall is always unintentional. 
It's something that, that we try to avoid. Yet here is what Solomon said, is that those who take a life or take this approach to life of ungodliness, of wickedness, here is what happens. They fall into mischief. What is mischief? Well, mischief is defined like this. Calamity, affliction, distress, grief, things of that nature. We could spend a long time on this, but, but again, we could just describe it or define it like this. It is calamity, it is affliction, it is distress, it is grief, things of this nature. So notice what Solomon is saying. Give attention to this because this is important. He is saying that when someone chooses to live a life or to live their life according to their own rules, according to their own standards, there will come a day when this approach to life will catch up to them and here is what it will produce in their life. It will produce calamity, affliction, distress, grief, and a host of other things. It is an inescapable reality that the wicked fall into mischief. Now that's one side of the coin that's dealt with in this verse. So let's go back to the first part of the verse. Because this is where... Solomon speaks of the just man. Solomon said in verse number 16, the first part of it, For a just man falleth seven times. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the contrast there, the wicked shall fall into mischief. So now we're dealing with the just man, the righteous man, the one who is who has for himself the standard of godliness, the being the scripture, the word of God, that's what he's worried about or what that person is consumed with. Here is what Solomon said of the just man. They fall seven times. What does it mean to fall? Well, somebody may say, well, doesn't it mean to stumble? Doesn't it mean to trip? Doesn't it mean to be cast down? Isn't that what you said earlier? Well, it's kind of interesting. It's two totally different words in the original language in the first part of the verse and the second part of the verse. This word falleth means this. Not only does it mean to fall, it means to fail or to make mistakes or to miss the mark. So the just man... Solomon says, is going to fail, is going to make mistakes, is going to miss the mark. And I want us to consider this. Solomon makes it clear that this is a certainty, not a possibility. Someone says, I don't even know what you mean by that. Okay, well, let's go back to the illustration of a moment ago when I talked about the athlete who is among the greatest, who is among the leadest. And what have all of them done? They have all missed a critical shot at some point. The greatest of the greats at some point have had a costly turnover. The greatest of the greats at some point have had a bad game. And the greatest of the greats, they have gone through these slumps where they didn't perform the way they knew they were supposed to. Now listen, please. Here is what Solomon says in verse number 16. This is a guaranteed statement. This is something that's going to happen. You don't have to question this. You don't have to wonder this. Here is what a just man is going to do. A just man is going to fail at times. A just man or a just person is going to make mistakes. A just individual is going to miss the mark. Not anyone is ever going to get it right every time. 
It doesn't matter who the person is. It doesn't matter how godly they are. It doesn't matter how much they strive to walk in obedience. Everyone is going to miss the mark at some point. So what does that mean? Well, goodness, it means a lot of things. It means that I, as a husband, am going to miss the mark, and I'm not always going to be a perfect husband. Someone may say, well, that's obvious. You're not a perfect husband. I'm just saying this. As much as I may strive, I'm not going to get it right every time. And as much as I may strive to be the right kind of dad, the dad that I'm supposed to be, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fail. I'm going to miss that critical shot when God gives me an opportunity to be the right kind of dad. I'm going to miss it sometimes. I'm not going to get it right every time. Susie's not going to be a perfect wife. She's not going to be a perfect mother. We're not going to be this perfect little family that is able to parade itself around town and tell everyone, look at us, we're perfect. It's it's not real to life. You're not going to get it right every time. You will respond incorrectly. You will have the wrong attitude. You'll have the wrong spirit. You'll say something that didn't need to be said or not say what should have been said. I don't care what you want to consider. You're going to mess up, and I'm going to mess up. That's just what happens. Someone says, when does it stop? Very simple, when we're dead. It's true. Someone says, well, I thought I'd be past this at this point of life. You're not going to be. You know, I'm in my 50s, I'm in my 60s, I'm in my 70s. I didn't think I'd still be struggling with this or wrestling with this. Well, that was foolishness on your part. You are going to fall. And Solomon says the righteous is going to fall seven times. Someone may say, oh, okay, so... So what he is saying is, is you'll not be the right husband or the right wife or dad or, or mom or, or whatever you want to consider. That'll happen seven times. No, all, all that statement means is, is an innumerable number of times. You know what Solomon's saying by way of encouraging words? You're going to mess up and you'll keep messing up and you'll keep messing up and you'll keep messing up. And you'll mess up seven times as a dad. And guess what? You'll have seven more times to do it. And you're going to mess up as a husband. And you're going to mess up as a wife. You're going to mess up as a mother. You're going to mess up as a friend. You're just going to mess up and you'll keep messing up and you'll keep messing up and you'll keep messing up. That is true of life. We're going to fail. We're going to miss the mark. So for us to sit here and say to ourselves, man, I didn't think I'd still be struggling with this. You will be. Because that's part of the spiritual life. And it's going to happen repeatedly over and over again. But notice what Solomon said in verse number 16. There's a difference between the final statement of the wicked in comparison or in contrast to the just man. See, in verse number 16, Solomon said, A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again riseth up again. What does it mean to rise up again? Well, again, it's kind of like that athlete who says, I can do better than this. This is ridiculous. 
I'm not going to settle for this. I'm not going to to just be okay with this. No, I'm going to dust myself off and I'm going to get back to being the person I know I'm supposed to be, the athlete I'm supposed to be. Now, Now think about this from the spiritual standpoint. When I fail and when you fail, our attitude should never be, come on, Kyle, come on, person, get up, be the person you're supposed to be, because we'll never be that person. We'll never in our own strength be the person that we're supposed to be. But here is what Solomon is indicating. Again, if you compare Scripture with Scripture, that when we fall and when we fail and when we miss the mark, okay, I don't want to be this and I don't want to settle for this and and I don't want to go this direction that's going to lead to calamity and affliction and distress. So here's what I want to do with the grace of God and with the help of God. I want to pick myself back up, get back to where I'm supposed to be and be the person that God has called me to be. God, I know I can do better as a husband. I'm asking you for your help. God, I know I can do better as a dad. I'm asking you for your help. Ladies, you might say, God, I know I can do better as a wife. I'm asking you for your help. God, I know I can do better as a mother. I'm asking you for your help. God, I don't want this to define me. And God, I don't want this to to, to take me down this road that will lead to mischief, to the calamity, to the affliction, the grief, and the sorrow. God, I'm asking you for your help. Here is what the just person does. The just person never settles for a life of disobedience and ungodliness. The just person is never okay with that approach to life. So the just person, they will fall, but they will rise up again. Now the question could be this. How does the just person rise? I mean, if the just person rises up again, how does that take place? How does that happen? Well, this isn't all contained in this verse. I understand this. It's not all contained in this verse, but the scriptures would bear this out if we took the time to, to look at all of them. So, so here's the first thing that happens when a, when a just person rises from the failure that they've experienced. There is forgiveness sought from that person by God or from God for their failure. And there's repentance that takes place. God, I have failed. God, I've not been the person that I know I'm supposed to be. God, I've not been the individual that you've called me to be. And it doesn't stop at that. It continues on with this attitude and with this spirit of brokenness. God, I'm asking you to forgive me. God, I'm asking you to forgive me. I've not been the person I'm supposed to be. God, I totally blew it yesterday when I had that opportunity. God, I I totally missed that shot. God, yesterday was not a good day for me. God, this has not been a good week for me. God, I've been struggling lately. And God, I am sorry. I'm asking you to forgive me. When a righteous person is truly righteous, when that just person is truly just, and they want to rise from their failure... There will be true seeking of forgiveness 
and a repentance for their actions from God or by God in their life. But it goes a step further than that. There will be an effort to seek forgiveness and restoration by the ones or from the ones that we have wronged. You understand this? If I want to rise up from my failure, if I want to to get up and get past the mistakes I have made, the sins I have committed, I don't just have to address this with God. I have to address this with the people I have failed. Or I'm not really seeking to rise from my fall. Follow this. Hypothetically, truly it didn't happen yesterday, but hypothetically, yesterday I could have been a jerk to Susie. I could have missed the mark. I could have been a total failure in what I was supposed to be as a husband to her. Okay, so, so it could be that this morning I'm feeling the guilt of that. I'm feeling the, the conviction of that. Kyle, you, you weren't right as a husband yesterday. And, and so in that moment, I say, Lord, you're right. I'm so sorry. I, I'm asking you to forgive me. Please forgive me for not being the husband I was supposed to be. Now, if I truly want to rise from that failure in my life, I then have to go to Susie and say, Susie, I was a jerk yesterday. And I'm asking you to forgive me. What I did was wrong and how I spoke was not right. And and the way that I interacted with you was not appropriate. If I'm going to rise from my failure, I have to make things right with the one I've wronged, not just God, but the person themselves. If I have failed my children... I don't just need to repent and ask the Lord to forgive me. I need to go to my kids and say, kids, would you forgive me? I'm sorry for not being the dad I'm supposed to be. I want us to think about this because here's what happens. A lot of times people totally fail. They totally miss the mark. They totally sin. And later they feel some measure of of, of remorse for this and and some measure of guilt and conviction. And so I'm just going to pray about it and I'm just going to make things right with the Lord. But they're too proud to make things right with the one they've wronged. You're not really wanting to rise from your failure. If you really want to rise from your failure, you sit the people down that you've wronged and you say to them, I'm sorry, and I'm asking you to forgive me. Just people, godly people, are going to fail. They're going to make mistakes. It's just a guaranteed. It's going to happen. What you and I need to give, listen please, what you and I need to give consideration to is this. What will my response be to my failure? Will I do what I'm supposed to to make it right with God and those I've hurt or will I just carry on in my sinful ways? It's up to us. Obviously, we need to choose wisely. If you've appreciated this message from Kyle Olsfeld of Grace Baptist Church, let us know by contacting us on our website at gbcpampa.com or on our Facebook page, Grace Baptist Church, Pampa, Texas.